Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sister Love. This is Retta Rainbow and we have our special guest with us today. Her name is Jasmine Jones, um, a beloved colleague and friend um, from one of, one of my past Midwestern institutions. Um, she is now working out in the Southwest region, um, serving in higher education. As you all know, this is the second installment of our series about protecting Black women. The purpose of the series is really to explore um, a rising, ongoing conversation that at some point was very in-group, but now has become out-group as more and more anecdotes, experiences have been shared all over social media. And in some contexts, some people are putting out in books and other mediums. But really, it's the ultimate premise of as black women and then other marginalized uh, populations of women, we have been a cornerstone of a lot of care of communities, of other identities, but oftentimes that same care doesn't find its way to us, um, which leaves us feeling uncovered, unprotected, and sometimes misused and abused. And so we're covering different segments. The past segment talked about what it looked like for black women identified folks in positions of leadership within their fields. This segment, we're gonna focus on the dynamic of self and relationships with others, including romantic partners, family, community. But then, like I said, it all starts with yourself. And so Jasmine also has a background in public health. She has her master's. She's also pursuing her doctorate, kudos and cheers, as she started this week. Um, but I'm gonna turn it over to Jasmine so she can tell you a little bit about her experiences and her advocacy and outreach um, doing some of this work with interpersonal uh, intervention and prevention. So Jasmine, to you. Hi, so my name is Jasmine, as, uh, as my parents friends have mentioned. And so I work in one of the largest institutions in the South East, uh, Southwest, not the Southeast. Um, and, you know, at this university, I do interpersonal violence prevention work. So bystander intervention work. So bystander intervention is really about teaching folks how to step in if they witness situations of power-based personal violence, which power-based personal violence can consist of sexual violence, stalking, um, if they do domestic violence. I also have a love for marginalized communities. So I do a lot of work with our black students, our international students, as well as um, um, our LGBTQ plus population. Um, it's really my, my legacy and my goal to really advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves. And I think that's how I ended up really doing interpersonal violence prevention work. Um, I hate talking about myself. So, uh, you know, I, I think my love for interpersonal violence really started um, when I was a, a graduate student and I was at an institution that was not working with students that look like me or work with marginalized students. And so that was one of my goals. And once I got entrenched in it, I'm like, oh my goodness. And so doing the work uh, specifically with my doctoral program, wanting to actually do research on interpersonal violence in black women, because what I saw in the research is that black folks, um, particularly black women, are experiencing forms of interpersonal violence, which interpersonal violence is this umbrella term for a lot of different behaviors. So I'll define that first. Um, so that can be child abuse, that can be hazing, um, dating domestic violence, sexual assault, um, stalking, 
Um, and so using that term, um, black women have experienced all of those things, whether it's at the form um, of a family member or an intimate partner. And um, we are so resilient and we push through. And so really bringing light and awareness to that has been so important for me um, in, in my career and in my work. And so I know during this conversation, we'll get to talk more about the things that I do. So I'm all ready for you. Thank you. Thank you, Jasmine. So I wanted to start off, we're going to start in inverse. My original vision for this conversation, we were going to start with the, the individual self, but I want to get to self at the end, because I think if we're really like, if this was a thesis or we're looking at research, in reality, the core root of the problem is this whole, uh, this whole center narrative of otherness. Like I know growing up, I witnessed my grandmother, my mom, my aunts, cousins, everybody who came before me, whether they're great aunts, great cousins, or just first and second, third cousins, whomever. There's this whole dynamic the way I grew up. And I know I grew up with Southern roots and in the South, but I've seen it all over the different regions and different countries I've gone. There's this notion, especially among African, Black, or however you want to identify, I'm just going to say Black for this conversation, Black women, where we put other people first. We carry all of the major institutions, so whether it's educating, making sure people have the knowledge they need to go out and be great, whether it's your spiritual institutions, like your churches, or your volunteering, or the political arena, or different safety arenas. It doesn't matter what the arena is. And I haven't even mentioned home. All those things by and large, so many times come before our well-being, whether it's rest, whether it's mental rest, emotional rest, psychological rest, or doing the things that helps refuel and keep us from being exhausted. That is a lot of times put on the back burner for the good of somebody else. And we've been oriented to live that way. And I'll be transparent. One of the things that's been on my personal evaluation for work, this is my job. My bosses recognize like how much I internalize the care of others. It's a sweet, I'm a tribal person. I'm African-American. One of my, my great grandmother was half white, half native. So it's almost like I got a double dose of, I've got the African tribe, I've got the native tribe. I am, and I'm inundated with women in my family and it's not to their fault. This is just how we were socialized. We take care of people to our detriment. And now I think the call, my personal call, I've got to slow down and figure out how to refunnel the care I'm giving others to myself. And I'm also looking around and as I look globally, there's so many responses in social media where I'm watching other black women, especially black women professionals, grapple with the same thing. So thinking about the other focus, Jasmine, I'll let you go in whatever direction you want to go in. But maybe let's start with the, the root of it, the family of origin. Like from your perspective and the outreach that you do. What is the number one, I guess, obstacle or barrier when it comes to Black women being protected intersecting with the dynamics of family? So um, we, so I actually did a workshop at a conference, and it was particularly for Black 
uh, students. And I talked about how important it is for us to just have healthy relationships, right? We always talk about restoring the black family. And I asked folks, I said, restoring it to what? Because my great grandma, she had 13 kids and my grand, my great grandfather still cheated on her. You know, and it was the, the narrative that if a man goes to work and he survives for his family, he can do whatever he wants. And when people say restore the black family, it's like, y'all, that's not what we want. We don't want to go back to where women just are walked on and they, they just have to deal with everything to have a husband or to have a family. And so really learning how to have a healthy relationship is so important. And I think that the way black women are socialized, we are socialized first to cater to others. So that's the first thing. But more specifically, cater to men. Um, and I think that it has a lot to do with religion um, and patriarchy and the social norms that are set within our families. So when I think about my black family and I think about how many cousins I have that have been coddled, right? My black male cousins that have been coddled by auntie, grandma, mama. And they are not held to the same standards as I may be, right? I'm a higher achiever, but if I wasn't a higher achiever, if I did, if I did certain things, I would be called trifling. I would be ridiculed. Um, it would be known if I was doing some of the things that some of my male cousins or family members could get get rid of, get away, um, get away with. And so, I think in our families, it really starts out with holding little girls to higher standards, and it starts when we are little. How many times, and you probably experienced this too of when you know telling being told to cover up i don't know how many times i was told to cover up as a little girl um around me and in my family and it's like if he is a rapist or if he's molesting folks why is he here why am i being ostracized because i start i, I experienced puberty while i was younger and so you have black women that are groomed to be more mature or they're groomed to be super, super independent. You know, they're not groomed to even know how to be vulnerable, right? How do you be vulnerable? And then black women are not taught how to be friends. And so we talk about wanting folks to protect us, but we don't even within within female groups, within friend groups, we don't even protect each other. And so to me, it you know, it and I'm happy you started with family, but it goes a lot into that. And then we think about the black families where, where fathers aren't in the home, where fathers are in the home. And so we, we give a lot of um, we give a lot of space for, oh, you know, single, single girls that grow up in single uh, parent homes. But I would argue to say that you have folks that grow up in two parent homes and these women have the same issues because they saw their dad or their mom mistreat each other. And when you don't see healthy relationships in your house or when you see domestic violence, you just see dysfunction guess what that's what you repeat you repeat dysfunction um and what i've what i've learned with this protect uh you know the protect women movement that's what i'm going to call it people want to play the respectability politics when it comes to who they are going to protect so if you my mama if you my sister or if you my wife or my daughter i'll protect you but if you're anybody else if you ugly if you dark um if, 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 you know, for back of luck, uh, lack of better words, if you a hoe, um, you know, I'm not going to protect you because you're not deemed worthy. Mm. Um, and I and and I think it's very hard because 
you have little black girls that are watching this. Little black girls that are are, are watching how Meg is valued is being treated in the media, right? And because she talks about her sexuality in a way that makes folks uncomfortable, you know, it is, oh, you know, she got what she deserved. You know, she got what she deserved, and if she wasn't popping X, Y, and Z, then this wouldn't have happened to her, right? Or you hear the narrative, oh, you need to be like Michelle. And granted, we love First Lady. We love Michelle Obama through and through, but black women are multifaceted. And so everybody is not like Michelle, but that doesn't mean that you don't deserve love if you're a Meg Thee Stallion or a Cardi B or anybody, any other black woman, if you're a black sex worker, if you're trans, you still deserve to be protected. And I think, no, I've been watching Moesha um, because it's on Netflix. And I'm not going to do the think piece on Moesha, but I think about her dad. Ooh. And how problematic he was. And we don't address when certain black girls and their families, they grow up in a two-parent home, but their dads are terrible. Their dads don't give them freedom. You know, their dads guard their bodies as if it's their own. When we think about T.I. Taking, taking his daughter to the gynecologist, like, that would have never happened in my house. My mama would have wore him out because that's not your place to do that but you have families where that oh that's healthy no you're setting your child up to be in a in in an unhealthy or abusive relationship because you are telling her that she's throwing time over her body but for whatever reason you have black folks that think that they own their daughter's virginity and you know and that's my claim the thing that my daughter is a virgin and it's just like what's your deal and so Black women, I think it us being protected is so so it's so important um, because we will stand on the front lines for black men, and we have done it, and we and I would argue say we continue to do it because when we ask black men to protect us, there's always an argument. There's always a well, all men not like that. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So. So, yeah, that's my take on family for now. And I think what you bring up, Jasmine, is a lot of different nuances. Like, even when you said uh, there are so many pieces, and I'm going to try to pull a, a, a few parts out because I think everything is interwoven. When you talk mm -hmm. about a mega stallion versus a, a Michelle Obama, that's just a facet of them. Mega stallion isn't going to the grocery store pee popping. She is a human being. She can express herself whatever way she deems fit. That's her constitutional right. But that doesn't, seeing her at, at one angle doesn't constitute a whole person. Who told you that a person who, whatever you want to say, she's an entertainer. What makes you think she's an entertainer 24 7, 365? That's a, that's a facet of her, just like Michelle Obama. She is educated and an avid just pillar of all communities, right? But at some point, she has also has other roles and identities she subscribes to. And then there's a part of her that, God bless us all, maybe we'll never know because there's a part of her that should be private in her life to live. So for us to think whatever we see on a blip, 
or a little bit in public is a whole of a person, that is so fantasy-based. It's so contrived. And when we don't have realistic conversations, discussions, dialogues, whichever the way you want to go, we set people up to continue to obsess over something that's probably a tiny piece of a picture. If you can't understand somebody is an entertainer and they get paid to put on a show and you're buying into this show or this fantasy or this temporal uh, numbness, because in reality, most entertainment is made to entertain, take you away from. Is that not the same definition of numbing? Okay, but we won't go there because I know we're not ready. Um, you should be able to process that as a functioning adult. Anybody that's less than 17 years old, listen, what you're talking about among your friends, that's fine. But if you are a functioning adult with some with some free uh prefrontal lobes, or let me let me get back out of functioning adult. If you're at least two to five years or older having this conversation, I would hope you would be at a place to understand that a person has multiple layers to them. Just like the piece of what you said, Moesha's dad. That would be me. The strict family. My grandma too had 13 kids. Domestic violence. Pushing that down. Like I tell people quick. They're like, Coretta, you know, you got you know, you got it going on. You do a lot of things. Why aren't you like, let's pause. Let's let's really have the tea. Cause I was about to go swear it. I'm gonna have the tea. Since I've been old enough to have sex, I've had people, why you ain't got a boyfriend? Why you ain't got a child? Before I even had a degree, I got people thinking I should either have a boyfriend, a husband, or a child, or one of them combinations. Not an education, not stability, not whatever I'm dreaming about. Why don't you have this external marker that proves that you are a normal Black woman focused on uh, somebody's uh, identification of family. Not that I'm okay. Right? Yeah. I even... Oh, go ahead. So, you know, it's a few things that just came through my mind. So the first thing is as a a black woman, you know, I'm I'm pretty young, you know, people people want to know why you don't have no baby. Why you don't have no man? Why you don't? And it's a question. I think after I got my so after I got my bachelor's degree, that's when it really started. Um, of why you not dating? And I'm like, y'all socialize certain black women to focus on their education, and then y'all just tell us that we just gonna get married and it's just gonna happen out of thin air. Um, and that <laughs> part. Is, that part is flawed. And then they, you know, you have some folks, which I'm about to hit on religion, and that's where I'm going. Um. They tell you to wait on Boaz. And I tell people, I say, did you read Ruth for yourself? Because Ruth didn't wait on Boaz. No, she she didn't slept with that man. She he went and he went and drank. She got real nice and cute and she went and laid by his feet. Now, you can use your own interpretation, but she laid by his feet all night and to me that means she had sex with that man. That's what I got. And that, and so it's like, yo, she wasn't waiting on Boaz. Um, and I think you know, the, the church is a huge component of black girls not being protected. Um, and, and it shows when a black girl gets pregnant at the church and they sit her down. But if the guy she got pregnant by is, in, is, is one of the ministers or the drummer, or the musician, he don't get sat down. But they don't make sure that they ostracize her because 
because who sleep is showing, as some people say, or because, you know, you can see her sin. Um, and you even have that when people experience domestic violence in the church. Oh, you can't get a divorce. You got to work it out. You got to work it out. You can't just give up. Um, and I think as black women, when it comes to that dating piece that you were talking about, or even having children, a lot of us have saw stuff that just didn't work. And it's like, we not, we not putting nobody through that. Mm-mm. We not, and I, you don't just get married to get married, and then my worth is not defined by whether a man chooses me. Um, and I think when it comes to protecting black women, that's the other component too of, oh, you don't deserve being protected because you're outspoken or you are um, educated or you don't have a man or you don't have this or you don't have that. And it's just like, it's all patriarchy and oppression. And it, I think for me, it frustrates me because black men, you know, they they talk about how, you know, black men are oppressed, right? But you think they are oppressed, but then they are the oppressor because when it comes to black men and black women, black men do have privilege. It's, and, and nobody wants to acknowledge that exists because they have the extra chromosome, and I don't. Um, and so, yeah, black men, what I always say is black men are getting punched in the face and black women are being kicked. And we, we sit and argue about who has it worse instead of us working together to solve the issues that are existing in our community. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's where my head was at with that talk. No, and, and just because you went there, it allows for me to go to one of the things that you've been bringing up. You haven't named it, but I'm going to name it between the religious overtones, the expectations, the socialization, just like women in general are under control or people want to control our bodies. The same thing is true for black identified women. This is all stuff about control, who you're connected with, what you should be doing by here. It's putting your thumb over black women in an essence so that we play small or we dim our lights. And if you would ask one of, well, and some of it is inner misogyny because black women also perpetuate this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we know that to be factual. If you would sit down with anybody kicking this, they'll tell you, no, I don't want to dim their light. I don't. But the reality is the root of what you're doing is keeping black women in a box or in a place the same way. Like, you know, as we slowly make ourselves to the individual conversation, I think about growing up. If we're honest, nobody's born with low self-esteem and low self-worth. But when you grow up in violence and you see terrible relationships all around you um, and you don't see love or you don't see affection or whether you have a two-parent home or no parent, you could be a ward of the state. And if you only see quid pro quo, or what have you done for me lately, or undiagnosed mental illness, where you've got narcissism and personality disorder and more played out in front of you, but then you're supposed to go get education, be successful and tackle the world. And then by the way, do it this way. No wonder people, and I'm going to say people, but women, no wonder black women, we operate in extremes, not all of us, because I can't speak for all of us, but I'm speaking for what I've seen from people I've worked with, people I have relationships with, people I've been in community with. 
more times than not, parts of our lives are well-managed and then the parts that aren't well-managed, they're in extremes. Because we've been polarized in our socialization. It's extreme. You do or you don't. Not a continuum, not a spectrum, A or B, hot or cold, in or out. And that brings up confusion. And it also sets people up to give their power away, whether it's in relationships, whether it's at work, whether it's speaking up for yourself, being assertive, or, well, if I do this, I'll be labeled this, or if I do this, I'll be treated this way. Because you can't get a break, and I often say this, and folks don't be ready for when I say it, but it's been said, but I'm going to say it here. The cares of the world get to explore. Whether they go to college or not, they get to be door of the damn explorer. Mm-hmm. Black women don't get to explore. No. You, you you explore if you want. And when I say explore, I don't care what you explore. I don't care if you want to explore your accessibility, your sexuality, your intellect, your spirituality. It doesn't matter. Come back home or go back to your community of origin <laughs> talking anything but the way that they sent you out. Try it on if you want to do a social experiment. Try it on. Meanwhile, the Karens of the world, and I know people struggle with us calling them Karens, but I'm going to say for this context, the Karens of the world get to do whatever they want to at a certain age. And then because they've lived a little bit and explored and done what they need to do, when they decide to turn a corner, whether they have families or not, and that's not the only binary, but just for the sake, you don't see the regression as much. But what does that say to black women when we boxed them in? So I remember growing up at a certain point, people didn't talk about like our features as much, but we know historically our features have always been fetished or over-sexualized. And so then eventually overnight, because I was an 80s, 90s kid, it's all about having a big butt. But it's like, what if you don't have a big butt? Then I'm nothing sometimes. And that's not fair. No, we never look at men and say, well, if you don't have this and you don't have that, then you're less than a man. People kind of dismiss that. And they'll just say, oh, if anybody says that, they're small minded. But nobody says that about black women. You put us in a box. We should our breast should be proportioned to our assets. Uh, We should have thick thighs or they should be toned with our legs. Uh, We should have about this much education. We shouldn't have more than this debt. Like we should be the perfect epitome of whatever. But what that sounds like is a ready-made fantasy. It's not allowing black women to figure out who they want to be. And you don't have to be, you don't have to be Claire Huxtable. You don't have to be Rudy Huxtable. You don't have to be Laura from Family Matters. You don't have to be anybody from TV. You don't have to be your neighbor. You don't have to be somebody you went to school with. You get to be you even though we don't edify that in our community. And I think that's the struggle because we, like I said, nobody's born with low self-esteem, but the way we keep chinking the armor of black women, it's no wonder we go to extremes because look at all these messages being thrown at us, but yet, but yet we're still expected to show up and carry everybody else, to love everybody else, to lift up everybody else. But that is never established for us. And so I think part of the later part of the conversation, we have to continue to talk about what are we willing to do for ourselves? Because if we keep looking outside of ourselves, it's not there. If it was going to be here, it would have been here already. It's not here. 
Absolutely. And I, you know, I was talking to my best friend about this actually this week and talking about how we are taught how they teach women, specifically, and I would say black women, we need to heal as if he is a gateway to get a man. And the logic is so flawed because we don't tell men to go work on themselves. We don't tell black men, oh, you need to go to therapy, you need to do this and you need to do that before you get in a relationship. People may say, oh, you need to be able to provide for your family, but that's it. Nobody's telling men to go do that soul work for themselves. And it, to me, it's so problematic. And I think as a single woman, the, the, the narratives that I hear from family and friends about my singleness and it being stigmatized, you know, and when we think about protecting black women, I think that when you think about the single women in this, you know, in this 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 um, dynamic, it's huge because, as you mentioned, the parents they can sleep what they want, who they want, do what they want, and they are still considered respectable. You know, and I had a conversation with a family member of mine, and they went out and sold their wild oats and did everything they wanted to do. But they wanted to marry a virgin. And I said, how is that logical? Ooh. And you done, you done been with, because my whole thing is that if, if I've been with two or five or ten or thirty, and you've been with a hundred, what does it matter? Because if I'm, you know, and I, I always, and I don't, I don't laugh at people, but, you know, I always see how those women that put themselves on a pedestal and talk about virginity, which is in these constructs that was created and we don't have to go there. But, you know, we t- they talk about that, and I'm like, okay, so you saved yourself, but your partner has been with all these people. So since you should have did what you wanted to do, and, and you know, and, and leave, you know, and enjoy yourself because you, you you let you really let society pressure you into to be in this way. But I think it can be discouraging for single women because it's like, oh, well, maybe I maybe I do need to do this and I need to do that, and so you have women that are healing. And, and trying to heal, and they oh my, when I when I when I'm doing when I'm single for two years and fell 